Good morning. Welcome to Northside this morning. Thank you all for coming out. We're going to all stand right now, if you don't mind, and we're going to worship the Lord together. shall see him. It ain't going to be 
Well, let us wonder if he's going to come or not. He is coming. Do we have a preacher to fellowship time? <laughs> Whenever you're ready. <laughs> so, well, welcome to Northside Baptist Church. And um, these are uh, days of Elijah and Bill. And... Um, Hey, you know what? It's a great day. It's a great day because this is the day the Lord has made. And um, it's, it's a good day because we're, it's our church picnic day. And I'm so glad that you are here, especially if you are a guest of ours. If you're a guest, I invite you to come to the church picnic as well. Um, I printed out just a, a couple of maps. And so, because I know a lot of you will use GPS because you like being told where to go. But there's a map right out back on the, on the welcome desk if you, wanna, if you need that. I'll remind you, too, that there's a $5 fee for parking. Um, but anyway, we're so glad that you're here today. If you are a guest, we'd love to know who you are and have a record of your visit. There's a portion of your bulletin you can tear out and place in the offering or give to, us, to a minister at the end of the service. Um, but right now, uh, find somebody, and if they hadn't smiled yet, see what you can do to get them to smile and welcome them to, to church this morning. continue north. Sun shining down on me. 
Lord, your name is so sweet. Thank you, Lord, for uh, sharing your truth, for giving your truth, for dying on the cross for our sin. Thank you, our Father, for your great love toward us by sending your Son. Help us to worship him in spirit and in truth, to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, may worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. We pray that we would take full advantage of that this morning, dear Lord. Bless Brother Darrell as he stands to break the bread of truth, dear Father, Lord. Let's give him liberty. Lord, we know has a message sent from you, Lord. Just give us listening ears to hear it. Receptive hearts, dear Father, Lord. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would move amongst us and that your will would be done. I pray that you bless these tithes and offerings. Lord, I pray that they'd be used wisely for the ongoing work of your church here, Lord, in this community. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
As everyone's coming forward here. All right. You got to come over a little bit closer than that. I even bathed last week, so come on. As you, uh, did you not bathe last week? Okay. Well, as, as the kids are gathering around, come on a little bit closer. You can see what I got over here. Um, listen, I just want to remind you about the picnic. I failed to mention this a moment ago. It's not lunch that we're providing. It's dinner, and we'll, we'll try to serve that right about 5 o'clock. So uh, you might want to eat something on the way down. So, all right, let me ask you what I about this here. What, what do I have here? A clock uh, or, a, or a watch. It's a, it's a clock, right? Unless you got a really big arm. It's a clock. Now, what is the point of or what's the purpose of a clock? To tell you the time. That's right. Is this one very good? Kind of? Is it kind of good? There's something wrong with this clock. What's, what's wrong with it? It's not telling the right time? That's right, Mr. Ken stole my line. It's right twice a day. That's right. So, um, but but yes, uh, there's something wrong. It, it's not moving forward. Now, let me ask you this. If this clock isn't moving forward, does that mean that time is not moving forward? Or time, yeah, the, if the clock is to work, then it, it, then it needs some power and it moves. But even if I stop this clock, it doesn't mean that you don't stop growing. It doesn't mean that your birthday doesn't come around. Time keeps moving, even if the clock is stopped. Now, I stopped it by taking the battery out. And uh, I did that on purpose because the battery that was in it before was dead. So, let's see. I'll try to put this battery in here. There. All right. Now, is, is it moving? Can you see it's moving? It's moving. Can you see it's moving? It's moving. And it, that, that big red hand ticks. It ticks at the rate of one tick per second. Okay? Uh, and it, it just keeps moving forward. Now, there's several things we could talk about this. Nobody gets to speed up time or slow time down. You're getting old at the same rate I'm getting old. Did you know that? Yeah, I'm just farther along the way than you are. Okay? I, I started out earlier. Listen. The Bible talks a lot about time. It talks about how in, in uh, the book of Ephesians that we're to use our time wisely. And then there was a really wise man who wrote in Ecclesiastes, listen, that there's a time for everything. There's a time for everything. Here's just some of the things that he said. Listen to this in chapter 3. says that there's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to take up what's been planted. There's a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. Um, it, it, there's, there's a time for war, a time for peace, a time to uh, build up, and a time to tear down. There's a time for everything. And God has these purposes in mind. But listen, there's, in, in, our, in our Sunday school lesson this morning, we looked at Psalm 23. And we, we looked at a psalm that David had written. And there was a time, are you listening? There was a time when David danced. There was a time when David had a party and he had good times. There was also a time when he was mourning, when he was sad. And so this is what I want to tell you and try to encourage you. Listen, look at me. There'll be times when you're real happy. Like maybe you go on vacation or your birthday party or Christmas, right? Everybody knows that, right? You, and you're happy, excited. There's going to be times too, listen, there's going to be times, too, when it's not that fun. But remember, time keeps.
keeps moving on and there's a reason for things and there's a purpose for things and and we move forward okay and the promise here's the promise if you hadn't heard anything else listen to this no matter if it's a good time and we're really happy or it's a bad time and we're really sad or, or upset here's here's the promise God is with us God is with us okay and that's who we can trust. That's who we can lean lean in on. So you can't stop the time. It's going to keep moving. But trust God. Can you do that? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Lord, I, I thank you for uh, the verses of scriptures that teach us about time. Help us to be wise with our time, every second, every moment, and to realize and recognize that you are with us. May we trust you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Stand once again. Follow me on Facebook, and you know that on Friday uh, was my mother's 90th birthday. And uh, I'm very fortunate at my age to still have my mother living. And uh, for the last three plus years, many times when I would visit her, then I was unable to communicate with her because her memory had long since left. And and uh, so I prayed earnestly on Friday, Lord, uh, uh, give me just one more conversation with my mother. And so when we went yesterday and we entered into the room, rather than being asleep, she was awake. 
her eyes were very open and keen looking and and uh, I walked in and we've always kind of had you can't imagine this but kind of a, a joking relationship with one another and I walked in singing happy birthday and she thinks I sing good uh, but I, I was singing happy birthday and she began to big, get a big smile on her face and uh, when, when we finished I said do you know who I am she said Uncle Roy I said, Mama, Roy was ugly and didn't love Jesus. I said, I'm handsome and love Jesus. And about that time, you know, I got one of the Holy Spirit, the wife looks, and she went, you know, that's enough. That's enough of the teasing. Because looked over, Mother had tears. Right here, she had tears. She says, I love you. I love you. And then she said, I'm proud of you. Do we ever get too old to have someone say, I love you? I'm proud of you. That's an act of kindness. That's where we find ourselves today in the study of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, one of the advantages of growing old is getting and getting a few more years under our belt is the opportunity to learn. Amen? To get an opportunity to learn. In fact, I really believe that if, if you're not learning, then you're really not living. It's a constant learning process. We never, ever arrive. We're learning more about Jesus. We're more, learning more and more about how he wants to uh, fill us and use us and, and use us as a blessing uh, to others. And, and so the day you, you quit learning is the day you lose uh, your desire to continue uh, learning and your life basically is over because then you've laid it down you're not being used of God the longer you live the more you can learn and one of my goals is to learn and so this week I purposely took a lot of time this week to just re-saturate my soul in special favorite Bible stories and verses in God's word I also began to look at the shelves in my, my office there at home and pull off particular books that had been meaningful to me in the areas of, of leadership and shepherding and these kinds of things. And then, then also uh, there were a couple magazine articles that, that I pulled up and I read. And, you know, it's, it's not hard to do these kind of things any longer. You don't really have to search even the shelves of uh, in your library because you've got the internet amen so it's very easy access for us and I've learned a lot through the years but buddy I've still got a lot to learn amen you feel that way got a lot to learn and uh, I used to have a placard in, when when I was pastoring full-time that my wife uh, said, and I'm being nice to her today, you notice that, acts of kindness, um, that she put up there and it says, be kind. And she put it right in my eyesight. Because when I would get in my office, if somebody I was counseling with somebody, it was, it was in the background. If I, was, uh, if I was studying God's word at my desk and raised my head up, there it was, be kind. Because what a reminder, huh? What a reminder. And that's what the Holy Spirit of God wants to 
be produced in our lives. Well, why is that necessary? Let's just make this, uh, apply it to today. It says in the U.S. News and World Report that 89% of Americans think that rudeness, incivility, and lack of kindness has become a serious problem. Well, if 89% think that it's become a serious problem, it goes on to say that more, uh, more than three in four say it has gotten worse in the last 10 years. Can, can you get my drift? Can you, see, can you see the parallel that as our nation gets further and further away from God and we begin to accept the, the fact that we're unkind to one another? You see, we, we, it'd be hard-pressed to ever go one day in your life without meeting someone that needs you to be kind to them. Just be kind to them. There's an old saying, and it goes this way. Kill them with kindness. Kill them with kindness. And why is that contrary to, to us? Because in our flesh, if we've been wrong, we don't want to be kind. Or we just act like nothing is, is, is going on and, and, and people don't need to be loved on. They don't need to have somebody affirm them and to say kind things to them. You can, you can kill animosity. You can kill bitterness. You can kill anger and hard feelings with just a little bit of kindness. I was trying to think of a good definition of kindness, and this is what I've come up with. Kindness is treating others the way God treats you. Amen? Now, sometimes God speaks very positive and kindly to us, and sometimes he's, he has to speak sort of straight at us, doesn't he? Because it's in a spirit of truth or correction in our life. Ephesians 4 and 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Ephesians 4 and 32. Now, Jesus is God in the flesh. Amen? He's God in the flesh. And so when we look at Jesus, we see him walking, we see him talking in his time here upon this earth, and he's being kind. You take the, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you see him there, and, and you see him walking on the water, for instance. You, you see him healing the sick. Uh, you see him raising the dead, feeding the crowds, and, and making even those that were blind able to see. And the, the deaf, it says, were able to hear, never heard before. And, uh, and so as you study and you look at that and you envision that, the greatest thing that you see Jesus doing is being so kind that he provides salvation. He provides salvation. That's why we need to be telling people about Jesus and how they can be saved from their sin. And so Jesus is a study. That's the greatest leader, Amen. Study him, and everywhere he is, he seems to have a kind deed, a kind word, 
And uh, he came into a very unkind world when, when he was born. And, and uh, did they have hospitals when Jesus was born? Spent some time in hospitals, you know, kind of greeting these babies, others having other problems in their lives and this kind of thing. No, didn't have them. What about orphanage? No. Did they have mental institutions? Uh, even, were there any Salvation Armies? Was there the Red Cross? No. You see, people were just amazed because he was so different. He was providing some of these things that what we've come commonplace to us, these institutions now are doing in our midst that we've long since forgot that true kindness comes in and through the person and the power and the presence of Jesus. I don't mind telling you that one of the hardest parts of the Bible for me to obey is Luke 6.35. Luke 6.35 says, but love your enemies. It says, do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward be great. And you'll be children of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful. And he is kind to the wicked. Think about how God is kind I jotted down as I was just kind of going through some things. Jotted down these statements. God is kind to people that don't even think about his kindness. God is kind to people who aren't even thankful for his kindness. God is, is kind to people who, who hate the very idea of God himself to those who don't ever even or never plan to believe in God. God is kind. He's always kind. Therefore, we find ourselves, we've looked at four, now we're on number five, and obviously there's four more to follow. This is the one right in the middle. It's almost like it holds it together. Almost like it just kind of holds those first four and those last four together. Being kind. Focusing on Jesus. Where it says the fruit of the Spirit is love. It says that it's joy. It's peace. Last week we looked at patience. Now kindness. As God's Holy Spirit lives in someone who's following Jesus and doing their best to follow him, he wants to bear in and through us his character and those qualities then that he bears in us are an image of him himself and one of those is kindness. Now jump with me to the book of wisdom which is often referred to the book of Proverbs and in Proverbs chapter 3 in verses 3 and 4 here we got a man by the name of Solomon and he has given to us these truths that we find in Proverbs. Now there are about 31 of those Proverbs and there are about 31 days in every month of the year so it might do us good to read a proverb a day. Might get some, some ideas there of how to live a wise life. How, how to live 
in a way that's pleasing to God. Amen? And so uh, we see here in Proverbs 3, 3 and 4, never let loyalty and kindness get away from you. Wear them like a necklace. Write them deep within your heart. Then you'll find favor with both God and people, and you'll gain a good reputation. Our integrity, our character, our reputation as we stand before God and before one another. Wear them like a necklace, it says. Like the sign on the wall that, that I have to look at in the office. One of them says, be kind. Huh. I don't know if that was your intentions, baby, or not. But I just gave you a biblical proof text for that wonderful sign that you have placed before me through the years. Be kind. Solomon said, in effect, you'd be better leaving home without your American Express card than without your necklace of kindness. At my age, you know, I'll be sure I've got my glasses, my teeth, uh, well, some of them. Some of them are in there all the time, but some of them are not. Uh, my teeth, my eyes, take all my bulges with me wherever I go. What else do I forget? Wallet, my phone, anything that's not attached to me, I have a tendency to leave it behind. And so as my helper, my completer, she sees it necessary to go through this checklist wherever we go. She does it in a kind way, but sometimes I don't take it in a kind spirit. Hello? DJ said some of us like to be told and some of us don't, right? But you see, right here, Solomon is saying, don't leave home without it. This necklace. Take this with you. Every morning when you get up, walk out the door to go to work or to go to school, or, or wherever you're going, you ought to wear kindness, he says, around your neck, just like a necklace. He says in Proverbs 19.22, what is desirable in a man is kindness. And it's better to be poor than a liar. There's nothing that people want from you and me and will enjoy from you and me and cause people to remember you more than simply being kind. Just be kind. I want to share with you three secrets on how to kill people with kindness. Number one, show kindness with your deeds. Show kindness with your deeds. I'm always reading and studying about leadership and I desire to be the best leader that I possibly can be. And one of the things that I've learned is that tenderness can motivate people to, to do things that toughness never will. Now, my prophet spirit many times wants to just 
but the shepherd in me sometimes doesn't allow me in some people's estimation to tell it quite like they want me to tell it so therefore they're telling me preach hard well it's not how I preach but it's how God's word falls on our hearts right now Tentatives can motivate people to do things that toughness can't, and the great leaders do not drive their people. They do not crack the whip. They lead their people with a kind word and, and, and with warmth. And I believe, and, and it's just the way I'm made, a smile on your face. Now, the smile on the face didn't sit well in the military because they would come and say, what are you smiling at? And I would go, nothing, sir. <laughs> really, I was laughing at him because he, because he's up there, you know, snarling in my face, you know, and getting on me. But you know, you you deal with those kind of things. I don't know why, but this week, I thought about. I wish I could impersonate him, Ronald Reagan. I'm convinced that one of the things that endeared Warren Reagan to our nation was the fact that people just sensed he was really kind. Just kind. And I admit that Ronald Reagan is one of my heroes. He's one of my heroes. I don't do it in a political fashion really so much as in a leadership role for me. And you see, as I study him and I watch him, even as a president of the United States, and even when he was governor of California, from what I hear, a very difficult place to govern, uh, the state of California, and when he was running for president in 1976, he, he was getting ready for a rally in North Carolina in a parking lot. A lady came over to one of the aides and said this, I've got a group of blind kids here, and since they can't see him, I was wondering if he could, ha if you could have Governor Reagan come over and tell them hello. The aide passed the request along to Michael Deaver, who was Reagan's chief of staff, who was standing nearby, and he went over to Reagan. He gave him the request, and Governor Reagan said to Deaver that he would do it but he did not want to do it in view of the photographers. Here was a man in the middle of a presidential campaign. And here was the press right there available. They would have gone wild with a photo session right there of him with a group of blind kids. But Governor Reagan wanted this to be between him and the kids. That speaks to me as I read that. Reagan waited around, it says, until after the reports and the photographers got back on the bus to leave. And when they had cleared out, it says, Reagan went to the area behind the podium where these blind children were. It says there were about seven kids. They, they were about nine years of age on average, all of them blind. Reagan did not just walk over and speak to the kids and leave. 
he sat down on the pavement of the parking lot and he began to talk to them. After the kids asked a couple of questions, he said this. Now I'm going to, I wish I could impersonate him. It would be so much more effective. Now I have a question for all of you. Would you like to touch my face? So you can get a better understanding of how I look. The kids got very excited. They began to squeal with excitement. And it says that Reagan just sat there on that curb. And while sitting on that curb, one by one, he brought them up. And it says these little blind kids be, began moving their fingers, moving their fingers over his face. See what he looked like. In my case, I'd have a big face, but uh, see, see, see what he looked like. So, twenty-five years later, that age said the only picture of the uh, of the scene in their mind was for those kids in years now, long since then, uh, can still see those little kids touching Ronald Reagan's face and smiling really big smiles and you know what they were thinking what a kind man he is that's one quality sometimes we don't really want to have as a leader it's not a quality sometimes that we really display as a follower of Christ. Show good deeds. Don't just talk about them. Don't do it for a photo op. Don't do it to check off the box. Sit down on the curb. Get down where they live. Be where they are, where they're hurting, where they need to experience the kindness of Jesus. Then number two, share kindness with words. Not only do through our deeds, everybody in this room has a kindness kit. A kindness kit that we kind of carry around with us everywhere we go. And it's called our mouth. It is our mouth, and, it's in, and inside our mouth there is a tongue. And that tongue, James says, is very powerful, does he not? We often think of that tongue in a negative way, that it gossips, that it lies, that it tears down. But that same tongue that is in this kindness kit that God has given to us can be used to build up and to pray for and, and to encourage one another. How many times have I been guilty of having the opportunity to respond to someone with kindness who is unkind to me, but rather than doing so, I've said something I regret it. Anybody else? Is the Lord speaking to anybody else besides me right here? Kindness is not only how we act, it's also how we react it's how we react I talked about 
uh, loving our enemies earlier and how difficult that is for many of us. It's one thing to be kind to a friend, but it's another thing to be kind to an enemy. Makes all the difference in the world when you, when you look at what God's trying to teach us about the fruit of the Spirit here. Now, I don't know if you read cartoons or did, but years ago I read them every day. I don't so much anymore, but there's one called Sluggo and Nancy. Obvious reasons. Nancy was a well-to-do girl from a nice family. Her best friend happened to be a, an old kid named Sluggo who was poor and lived on the other side of the tracks, so to speak. In one of those cartoons, he was talking to Nancy, and he said, that new kid in school is nothing but a big fathead. Nancy said, you shouldn't call people names like that. I never call people names. Sluggo said, well, I just got mad when he said you were stupid looking. Nancy said, what else did that fat head say? <laughs> I'm always looking for theological meaning in all of that. You know, sometimes you don't spread rumors because they may not be true and you set somebody off, right? Uh, but you see, we need to learn how to be kind with our words. Be kind with our words. I want to address this issue right here, and I believe it's called, that'll cause kindness. Uh, it'll help us understand the culture in which we live. Today, we're, we're not supposed to condemn anything or anybody. If we do, we sure are going to be judged and criticized for it. If we say anything against anybody or anything. Some people think that kindness is sentimental softness of the heart that tolerates wrong and never condemns anything. We think that's being kind. Here's a good illustration. Suppose I go to the doctor and he examines me and discovers that I have a tumor. What if he says, I don't want to cause you any pain, or, I, or he thinks to himself, I don't want to cause this man any pain, I don't want to upset this man. I don't want him to leave here hurt. I don't want him to leave here discouraged. And he brings me back into the office, and I sit before him, and he says, everything with you is absolutely great. Don't worry. Be happy. How'd you say it? Hakuna Matata. Y'all been say that? And, you know, everything's okay. Don't worry. Be happy. Now, is he being kind to me or not? Would you rather hear the truth? Are we told to speak the truth in love? Are we told to be, to be kind? When a minister like myself or any minister gets up and talks about whether a, a sin, no matter what that sin, may, the category it may fall into, 
Always remember, he's not being unkind. And you see, he is being kind. Sometimes when people bring true constructive criticism, you see, before, he's not being unkind. And I stress that, true constructive criticism. You can confront wrongdoing. You can bring correction into a situation. You can tell the truth without being unkind. We are to share kindness with our words. Not only are we to show it with our deeds, share it with our words, but third, sow kindness with our heart. Sow kindness with our heart. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, it says to us, Love is kind. Now, sometimes love is heard in a kind word. Sometimes love is found in a kind note. Uh, sometimes love is felt, felt with a kind touch. A kind touch. And we are to strive to, to, again, to look to the Lord Jesus Christ and how he showed kindness. I want to go back to Jesus for just a moment, and I'm wrapping this up. Matthew 8 and 3. There's one of the most amazing statements in all of the Bible that if you just read it on your own, you really wouldn't pay that much attention to it, but a man with leprosy, a man with leprosy had come to Jesus and said this, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The most horrible disease that a man could have, leprosy. As a matter of fact, leprosy is a picture of sin. It's a picture of sin. Leprosy was, was if you will, not so much these days we don't hear it, but the AIDS of society. Verse 3, here's what we read. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. He touched the man. He says, I'm willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. You say, well, why in the world is that such an amazing statement right there that Jesus healed a man? He healed a lot of people. Don't miss it. He touched the man. That which was sin, he reached out and touched. In all the Bible, we're told that no one had ever touched a leper. In a book that I pulled off my shelf, a man by the name of Paul Brand was a leprosy specialist. As I told you, leprosy is a terrible disease, except in its very early stages, and the leper does not, eventually he, he, he feels no physical pain. In fact, that's a problem because in his full term, the, 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 the nerve cells all deaden within that individual. And when you have leprosy, you no longer feel pain, and, and, and the patients 
can really damage their own bodies because they can't even feel what's happening to their own bodies. You see, it's happening and they don't even know it. Leprosy patient can walk all day long on sharp metal screws. It says that they can drive a nail through their hand can even drive uh, uh, can into their eyeball and never actually feel any pain. I don't know what's going on in your little minds and your little hearts right now. But when the Holy Spirit of God laid this before me and this scripture and then what Dr. Brand was saying, saying that that leper felt that, uh, what he may have not felt and what he might have felt in those Bible days, especially physical, personal, social. You see, he was rejected by his community. He was rejected by his community and he felt as though the leper Dr. Brand told of a bright young man. He was treating in India. In the course of the examination, Dr. Brand simply laid his hand on the young man's shoulder and told him through a translator of the treatment he was going to give him for his cure of leprosy. And to his amazement, the man began to shake, became uh, at the point of uncontrollable weeping says, Dr. Brand asked the translator, have I said something wrong? And when the translator asked this young man why he was crying, the translator turned to Dr. Brand and he said, Dr. Brand, the reason he's crying is because you put your hand on his shoulder. You put your hand on his shoulder and all the years that he's had leprosy, you are the first person who ever reached out Northside Baptist Church, there's a world outside these four walls that's got the leprosy of sin. That needs the touch of Jesus. That needs the truth of Jesus. Needs the kindness of Jesus. The world's hostile. It was in Jesus. Hostile, you see, not only to to what we believe, but the world today is hostile to the one we believe in. I still believe it to be true that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by Jesus. I can't remove Jesus from my vocabulary I cannot remove Jesus as the truth as the only way I can't idly stand by and watch my schools and my government and my country in which God has called me to be salt and light to just stand idly by and act as though nothing's going on Here's my question to you. I started to call 
today's message R-A-O-K. But it sounded like I was saying everything's okay to me. Huh? So I said, no, that is what that stands for is random acts of kindness. I want you to just right now close your eyes. I want you to think about somebody outside of this place or maybe in this place that God has put on your heart you can show kindness through your deeds through your words through your touch that you can be a representative of the image of Christ and not go in your strength but go in the power and the presence and the strength of the Holy Spirit of God that he gave to live in your heart to kill their sin with kindness. Father, speak. Help us as a church to examine our lives through your word. Help us, Lord, through the power of your spirit to get up and to go and show kindness Lord, may we use the way that you've equipped us, that kindness kit, our mouth, our tongue, the means by which we can reach out and touch someone. May we not leave it at home, but take it with us wherever we go. Speak, Lord. And then, Lord, as you bring conviction, may we confess, may we repent. And that, Lord, may we graciously thank you for forgiveness. And may we be ready, used, ready to be used as vessels in a hostile world. I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. You have a public decision you need to make today, whether it be go to one another, whether it be to come to this altar to pray, give your life to Jesus, recommit your life to him or to go just as quickly as you can when you leave this place to someone. I encourage you to do so. Let's sing. Before you go, uh, 
much like the Lord felt compelled to break bread with his disciples, I feel compelled to break bread with you next Lord's Day in the morning service. I hope that you'll spend the week on your knees asking the Lord to speak to your heart that each of us will come in a worthy manner because as the Lord's Supper says to us, we're doing this in